Hi everyone, I'm Ben Tapper and this is Invisible Truths. This is a podcast for anyone who carries burdens that feel too heavy to bear, questions too vulnerable to openly discuss, or pain that you're certain no one else will understand. Even more than that though, this is a space to acknowledge and explore the invisible truths within each of us. If you're still interested, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of the Invisible Truths podcast. I am here with Satin Marche of Sacred Melanin. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting. Um, I've only ever been featured on two podcasts, and yours is the second, so I'm grateful. Hopefully, it is the <laughs> second of many more to come. Thank you. Um, so you have an organization or a, rather a company called sacred melanin that from what i understand is fairly recent for you so can you tell the audience a little bit about what sacred melanin is and your vision behind it and maybe why uh, you launched it yes definitely so um i think the idea kind of came to me in 2018 it was around december um I don't know if a lot of people know, but I actually have been classified under the title business owner for since about 2014, 2015. I started out doing different things in college. And as I elevated, I kind of elevated out of that, kind of just transitioned um, and realized that those things were only fitting for that time in my life. So I wasn't really doing much, um, kind of was just floating throughout life, trying to figure out my purpose here in this realm. And as I was doing so, it kind of just came to me um, literally the day after I had just talked to someone about, you know, starting my business again, but wanting it to be purposeful. Um, I woke up out of my sleep like the next day and I was like, oh, sacred melanin. And I'm like, where does this come from? <laughs> so then I realized like, oh, wow, like this is the name of my business. And it's significant to me because uh we actually share the same initials, Satin Marche and Sacred Melanin. So it'll always be a part of me. But the reason why I did it is because um, I realized that I've always been a spiritual being. I mean, all of us have since we came out of the womb. But I consciously started doing it or doing life in 2016. And, you know, since since then, that awakening within itself, I realized that there were things that not a lot of people knew about, um, about themselves, about, you know, themselves on a spiritual level, um, about themselves on a physical or human level, or even how significant melanin is. So with all of these things that I had learned, I was just like a walking wealth of knowledge at this point. And I'm like, okay, somebody has to know this stuff other than me. <laughs> so I kind of just started um thinking like what would be an effective way to do it because i know when i first started dropping gems it was more so coming from like an egotistical mindset like oh i know this and you guys don't know that but then when i just took the time out to really do my best to be more compassionate and loving i developed a better approach um because even with all the books that I read, it all reverts back or goes back to love. So I definitely had to or learned how to love and then make my approach more effective. So with that, I kind of just started creating um, content that coincided with what I was reading 
And even when I wasn't intentionally doing it, it was very much so intentional. So it all kind of just connects in some sort of way. And I, like I said, just make sure the approach is through love. So whatever way it may be, even if it's just taking a picture of a passage in a book to get the message across or showing a video of something small and, you know, writing out my own words and my interpretation of it, it all kind of goes back to love. And people always say, oh, I really love this, this, that, and that. You're doing this and that. But I have to remember that, you know, it's reaching who it's meant to reach because not everybody is there yet, you know? Absolutely true. We can only uh, receive if we're open to receive. It almost seems like you've gotten to the point of emptying yourself or getting out of the way enough that you can, you're beginning to embody some of the, I would call them like the divine truths that maybe you, you might have been sent here to, um, to kind of dole out. And so before I ask the follow up question, does that all sound accurate or, or is there another way you would kind of explain or frame that? I actually couldn't have said it any better, honestly. <laughs> um, and it, I'm kind of glad you put it in those terms because I constantly tell people like I feel like I evolve every day and it's kind of strange because sometimes I'm like who are you like <laughs> you know I wake up sometimes and I'm like what are you doing and honestly sometimes my spirit is ahead of itself like I don't really realize why I'm doing something in that moment and then life passes on it could be minutes days hours whatever and something happens and it goes back to why I just did the previous thing and it's like oh that's why I did it you know so I feel like um, like you said everything is intentional and everything is being led by spirit for sure so having that being established in my experience at least um, for the work that I do and and many other people that are either healers or um, teachers it, it seems as though the lessons they are here to teach are lessons that they have had to learn early on through hardships or pain or really intentional discomfort and stretching. Can you speak to the process of being trusted with these divine truths? What have you had to go through and endure or what are you going through and enduring and processing that is helping create space within you to then receive and share the truths that you're being given? Oh yeah, for sure. So um, we definitely got to save a lot for my book because I'm actually <laughs> working on a book right now. <laughs> hey, that's what's up. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, um, yeah, but I'll be more than happy to share. I think where I will start is um, having the best of both worlds. And I'll tell anybody I had the, the best of both worlds because I did. So I'm from Florida and I moved to Alabama when I was early preteen, I should say, around between 14 and 15 and um you know everything was fine when we lived in florida but when my mom and my siblings and i we moved to alabama it was like a totally different ball game like we like it was crazy we struggled so bad and it was almost like even our closest friends like best friends that my siblings and i had individually even they didn't know you know what was going on because it was just so painful yet embarrassing at the same time looking at my mom and everything that we've been through um it kind of just motivated me to do the complete opposite and i know a lot of people especially african people are a product of their environment and 
you can look at it two ways. Either you can say, yeah, I'm a product of my environment because I took that and I used that um, to do better. Or you can say, yes, I'm a product of my environment and I'm doing the exact same, you know, not necessarily breaking the generational curse. So it kind of just depends on how you look at it. But I think for me, um, having to, like I said, watch my mom struggle in a sense to where she struggled with her own personal things as well as men and having, you know, eight of us and I'm the oldest. <laughs> um, wow. having to, Yeah, for sure. So living in a house all together and, um, you know, just not having a car or a washer and dryer, like for a long time, we had to wash our clothes in like the bathtub and, you know, just different things that our friends were not experiencing. But I'm thankful that we had those friends in those moments because, you know, their parents would let us wash clothes at their house or, you know, they would take us and go places and you know those were our best friends and their moms actually taking us in but we still live with our mom you know so it was just those different struggles that really 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 are kind of still painful truths to talk about but it happened you know and I feel like it definitely made me who I am um, it definitely assisted my siblings in wanting to do better as well but going back to having the best, the best of both worlds, it was like, if I called my dad and I asked him for $100, I more than likely would have gotten it. But with my mom, it was like, uh, I can't right now or we'll see or something like that. You know, it wasn't always like, oh, yeah, here it goes. So I think all in all, just being observant of these things have assisted and at some point I did absorb it but now I'm actually kind of just observing more than absorbing you know yeah yeah absolutely I, you know I can relate to to feeling like the things you've gone through while painful also have definitely shaped who you are I feel that way about um, my experience with poverty with child abuse with neglect you know, and even things that happen later in my adolescence and early adulthood, I can definitely see the shaping. Um, but I've also often felt a, a tension with it saying that. So I, I just finished, well, not just, it's been, I guess a year ago now, I finished my uh, Master of Divinity. And so I've spent a lot of time thinking about um, theology, having grown up in the church and my faith having been very important to me most of my life. I've, I've really spent a lot of time unpacking it, breaking it down. And one of the things I consistently struggled with and pushed back against um, when I'd hear people say it in seminary is that, you know, everything happens for a reason or the Romans mm -hmm. eight twenty eight. you know, God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him. Um, and, and so it would feel like every time I would say, you know, I am who I am because of what I've gone through. It 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 almost is like a, a tacit endorsement of uh, the mistakes of other people have made and, and and the pain that has been caused. Um, and so, I, I I have tried to like push back against some of that thinking and saying no, these things were probably avoidable. They didn't have to happen. Uh, you don't have to go through intense right. pain, you know, to live into your purpose. It just so happened that I did go through those things. And despite me going through them, right, there can be um, growth that comes out of it. And so how have you towed that line between like buying into this train of thought that, oh, if you were abused, it must have also been God's will to also recognize and that there can be gold that is that is mined even from the, the most jagged of, of stones? 
Mm, so I think for me, it's been, and I don't know if you've noticed, but I've even created a hashtag on Instagram that is shift your consciousness, but it's spelled with a C-H-E because Marche, you know, is spelled with C-H-E. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> anything... <laughs> Another another example of your intentionality. I love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So anything that I feel like I'm about to post that is literally meant to shift your consciousness, I'm going to use that. So for me, what has worked is realizing that, you know, I I think when I broke it down this way, it, it just meant so much more. So realizing that I chose my parents, you know, um, And before choosing them, of course, all of our souls have a contract. So Mm -hmm. realizing that I chose them, but I didn't necessarily choose to come here. (laughs) Mm. And so I can't necessarily take it personal. Um, I think when I had that entire like breakdown in my mind and even going back to generational curses and things like that, what they what my parents have done, you know, it's not necessarily their fault because their parents have done something to them yeah. and their parents have done something to them. So now that I'm here actually consciously doing all of this and realizing like, wow, like I, I used to be pissed off. I can't lie. <laughs> but realizing or understanding that it's not their fault is literally nobody else's fault or anyone's fault for that matter. It's literally just how things just so happen to be. And because I'm here now, I'm able to break those curses and be a light for, you know, everyone else, kind of bringing these things to the light as well as doing things a lot differently with my own children. Therefore, the curses are definitely broken. Yeah. And, and do you have kids? I don't. Not okay, yet. <laughs> okay. That has recently been something that's been on my mind a lot because, you know, I have a, a son now who's almost four weeks old. It hit me in counseling a few weeks ago when my counselor said that, you know, part of the benefit of working through this historic generational trauma is so that you don't pass it on, you know, to your children. And then it, it kind of occurred to me that I'm doing this work, not just for myself, but also for, for him. And so I, I appreciate that, that perspective. I will say though, I, I struggle with the idea that it's no one's fault. Um, and this is this is where I find myself living in a, a place of uh, ambiguity, right? Because on the one hand, you know, I, I am a political science major. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I am really big on looking at um, systems and systemic injustices and history. And so like, for almost every decision, every injustice, you can look at a system that has caused it and or a person or people that are responsible for it, you know, that could have made different choices. Um, On on the other hand, though, I I hear what you're saying about, to some degree, we are all just doing what we can, maybe not the best we can, but we're doing what we can. And we are are all affected by what the people before us did. Um, Mm -hmm. So I say all that to say it's it's sometimes hard for me to to de-emphasize whose fault it is or isn't, you know, especially those that um, have hurt me. I, I really, to continue relationship, I want, I need people to name kind of where they, where they fucked up, right? So then I know mm-hmm. that if, if they see that, then maybe we can avoid something happening in the future. Um, mm-hmm. on, on the other hand, I want to be able to live with grace. So can you talk more about how you, how you walk that, that balance? Are there people that have helped you begin to find that balance? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
there, I was hoping we kind of asked some sort of questions so I can kind of shout out my tribe because there have been like so many people that I've met like along this journey. And in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, those are my sisters or those are my brothers because I'm like, you know, when family is acting up, those are my members of my tribe who are, who actually get it, who understand it, who are here, like literally came to me and I came to them during this time so we could, you know, assist each other throughout the journey. But, you know, it's quite a few of them who have assisted heavily. Um, I think for me, the way I find the balance is I, I read this book called Seed of the Soul and it is a, a true gem. Um, it's one of my favorite books thus far. It talks a lot about um, the soul itself, karma, intention, light, evolution, things of that nature. So when I realized that everything was caused or is cause and effect, everything affects everything, I I just start paying close attention to how I react to things. Even going back to what, you know, uh, generational curses have my, you know, might have been spoken over my family and things like that. I kind of just take a step back and I'm like, okay, this happened. I'm choosing because everyone has a choice. Seed of the Soul talks about that as well. I'm choosing to do it this way. But no matter what way I choose, karma is good and bad because there's balance in karma as well. So however I choose, I have to live with my karma, whether I made a good choice or a bad choice. And when I think about it in that light, I try to really focus on not dumping poison into the collective consciousness. And what I mean by that is not doing anything that goes against my higher self or that doesn't serve my highest good in any type of way, you know? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, I paused because I was reading your website and you, you describe yourself as an alchemist. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about what you mean when you say that and how you came to, how that word came to define you. Yeah, so I kind of just started calling myself an alchemist. And the reason being is because if you look up the definition of alchemist, it pretty, talk, it pretty much talks about someone who is multifaceted in a sense. You know, they're capable of doing a lot, um, whether it's through spell work or whatever the person does, they are capable of embodying that and doing it, you know, however many times and in a multitude of different ways. So for me, thinking about all that I've accomplished while living in Alabama, because I tell you what, I was not this person while living in Florida. Like I was this shy girl who just did not want to be involved with anybody. <laughs> it wasn't really family. I was not talking. I just was like, eh. like, and that comes from trauma. So when I moved to Alabama, I finally got the chance because I grew up there um, to really hone in on who I am and who I was becoming and all that I was becoming. And with that, I watched myself transition from creating like bleached and distressed clothes and things like that. I went to school for fashion design or apparel design and even um, fashion, I would call it fashion merchandising, but some of it is marketing as well. And from there, I was doing like making flower crown headbands. I've experimented with creating um, divine nine organization paraphernalia. I've done so many different things 
graduation caps, like all this stuff. And it just all goes back into like, this is alchemy. Like you're pretty much capable of doing so much. So do it all, you know? Um, And that's not even everything. I recently realized that I'm good with managing social media accounts, creating websites. I stayed up till like 6 a.m. doing my own website one day after a business plan with somebody that I call my friend just went to who knows what. So it, those things like that motivate me to do my own stuff because I don't necessarily have to wait for anyone else. Um, I do very well with interior decorating. I can be a photographer. I've done event planning. I just do so much. And I don't think a lot of people know because I don't really talk about it. I only try to talk about what serves the needs of people right now. Um, so yeah, I just, I was thinking about Jay-Z's lyrics too. <laughs> he said, I've been winning for so long. It's like alchemy. And I was like, like you're definitely an alchemist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, that's like, I've gotten a lot done in 10 years. Like, I'm mm-hmm. just like, wow, what would the next 10 look like? You know? <laughs> yeah, that's real. You mentioned... Uh, your tribe earlier Uh, and as I I look at your website I see that you know while you have and you've done a really great job at it by the way Um, it's it's really clean it's really 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 crisp Um, but as you put it together you also list people on the bottom you know that you give credit to for helping you with the website or with the logo I'm wondering if, if you could highlight maybe two or three folks that have been guides or sojourners for you over these last 10 years of transformation who would those people be and and what have um they they given you how have they walked with you along the last phase of this journey oh my gosh just three (laughs) (laughs) well you can start at three and then expand however you need to (laughs) oh my gosh okay (laughs) so i'll start with my sister akila um, she is the owner of Sea Spirit Run, mm-hmm. and she and I met on Instagram last year through a mutual friend that I met through like YouTube. But apparently, they actually know each other. So she um, she was studying under Queen Afua to become a sacred woman practitioner, and she actually needed people to you know, kind of guinea pig on to say the least. So I kind of was like, okay, let me reach out to her see what exactly is going on. Because I felt myself transitioning. Like, yeah, I feel like I've had several spiritual awakenings, but I feel like that was definitely one of them because I felt myself elevating. She came at the perfect time. So we met then we, we did the consultation, things like that. And though I classified her as my mentor, she has definitely become way more than that in only a span of a year. I don't necessarily dump on people. I try not to do that. But even if I needed to, like she's there, like she's listening. She's always reassuring and affirming and kind of just making me feel like you got this, like even when I want to give up. And it's what I love about it is that it is a mutual exchange of energy. You know how some people are just like, hey, what you doing? X, Y, Z. You tell them and then it's like, girl, let me X, Y, Z. Like they just dump. And even if they ask you how you are doing, they hear you, but they go back to dumping, Mm -hmm. telling you about themselves and things like that. And it's literally never like that with her. Um... Who else? Jazz. Oh my gosh. Jazz has been very influential throughout this time as well because she is a 
I actually met her before, um, Akilah, but both of them live in Georgia. And I don't think they know each other, but Jazz is, she, she's my sister as well. She and I met on Instagram too. Um, she had a giveaway going on for Way Speeds. This was probably back in like 2015. And, you know, I won the giveaway XYZ and I was doing business then, but it was not Sacred Melanin. So, you know, but even with that, Jazz and I always supported one another. And it kind of just grew over the years. And looking back at it now, I'm like, I've known this girl for like five years now. <laughs> yeah, that's five years. Wow. wow. So I've known her for all this time. And her home is like a safe haven to me. She's definitely somebody I look up to because she has a husband and she's only like 28 and they just had a baby. And, you know, when you're when you don't have people who are around you in regard to like successful young relationships and things like that, mm -hmm. things can kind of be like difficult, even if you wanted to embark on that journey with someone, because though I have like aunts and uncles who are married, they're way ahead of my time, you know? So there's not much that they can tell me about a new a millennial type of relationship you know yeah, so yeah. it's different yeah because I kind of look up to Jazz and her husband Isaiah and the dynamics of their relationship though I don't know everything and I'm sure they're not perfect but I admire that because at the end of the day it goes back to African love and how it should be and I, I really do respect them for that because they respect each other, you know, it's just a beautiful union that they have. And so they've definitely assisted um, in many, many different ways. They even invited me out a few times and I stayed over there. And at first, Jazz was like, you know, Isaiah was looking crazy when I told him a stranger was coming to stay with us. <laughs> she was like, well, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. But it was so nice. Um, and like I said, now they have a baby. And actually, Isaiah is the one who created the logo on my T-shirts. And he also created my very first Sacred Melanin logo. But I kind of just got it revamped and brightened and things like that recently. But he definitely, I give him credit for, like, all that he does. Because when, when I see my T-shirts, I'm like, oh, those are our T-shirts. Like, that would not have been possible without him. As I heard you naming um, those three individuals that you named, I, I'm struck by just how important your tribe is to you. And even yeah. though you have this brand called Sacred Melanin, which to me, when I hear Sacred Melanin, um, it's a reminder for me that um, my blackness is holy and thus I am holy, right? It's, it's kind of mm -hmm. a, a resistance to white supremacist thought and messaging that is you know, everywhere in our culture. It reminds me, though, that your message is not one of individualism. It's so it's, it's not so much my blackness is holy, but our blackness, thus mm -hmm. our existence is holy, right? There's a connectivity to it. Have you always had that sense of connectivity built into uh, your work and what you want to do? Or, or when did that really start becoming more important for you? Oh, yeah. Um, I kind of always had that mindset. It just wasn't the sacred melanin behind it like it wasn't that title behind it you know because like I said I've been a business owner for quite a few years now but even when I was making you know different things for different people and nothing was totally official it was just like a side hustle in college I remember creating a post 
on Instagram that mentioned female or feminine power and black power um, and not necessarily in those terms, but mentioning those two words, feminine and black, because that those are the two things that I resonate with most. I'm a black woman or an African woman. So anything outside of that, I can't necessarily relate to. And because I cannot relate to that, I think others understand that too. So they're not going to shop with me. You know, they're not going to necessarily support um, how my people support and things like that. And when I came to really accept that it just helped me you know because I realized like oh okay so if that's the case I might as well do this for us you know I think it's it's wise to have that intentional naming of what intersections are important for you and then to build uh, your public brand you know out of that so I'm going to shift to a I I think I'm a purveyor of really difficult questions. It's kind of something I'm very <laughs> proud of. Uh, so I'm, I enjoy your questions. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, so I'm going to throw a question at you and just answer uh, however your spirit uh, decides. Okay. Um, so as you think about your life, either the the trajectory of your you know three decades or so so far, or um, things that happen day in and day out. I wonder um, what makes the sun rise in your soul? Mm. So, so in other words, what makes me happy? Like what gets me going? Things like that. Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Like if, if you were a nuclear reactor, what starts the reaction? My mind is what starts the reaction. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because like, there are a lot of people who respect my mind, but there are a lot of people who do not. And for that reason, I've just had to learn how to deal with it um, and accept my quote unquote flaws and use them to their advantage. Um, even going back to being an alchemist and just being so creative to the point where it's like, I deserve this title. And, I, and I'm usually not the person to say, oh, I, I'm associated under this title. I do this and I do that. Like I try to really take the light off of myself. But in regard to my mind, that is what sparks the chain reaction with anything. That's what fuels me because I'm, I'm able to think for myself, first and foremost, a lot of people cannot think for themselves or do not, even if they have the ability to. Um, I also feel like that is what gives me these ideas. Like it comes from a source, of course, but when it is put into my mind, like, oh, I can definitely do this. I, I get things done. And just on so many different levels, like my mind is the mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> just put it it that is. Way. <laughs> it is. Well, what so is that it? Is, that is that is my answer for sure. You you said that not everyone appreciates your mind. What did you mean by that? And and what is it like when you encounter people that don't appreciate it? Oh man, the guys. You have these guys. Oh yeah. You have these guys. Yeah, we got to talk about that. We got these guys out here who were like, "Oh my gosh, Satin, you're this, you're that, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah." And then it's kind of like a perception or some sort of admiration. And then when they finally get me in a way that is like, "Oh, I actually, I like we're conversing xyz it's like um it's almost like they freeze up they don't know what to do they while they said you hate my state of mind but somehow you think the world of me 
And that lyric was like, mm. whoa, whoa, wait a minute, right? Play that back, play that back. Right. This is so relatable. And I, I think a lot of people miss that, but I'm a music lover. I don't know if you know, but I can pretty much rap as well. I don't tell everybody because everyone wants to hear a verse and I'm not doing <laughs> Okay, I, w- I want to ask that question then. <laughs> so it's kind of like when I heard him say that, it was all relatable to like my relationships. Like the guys are always like, oh, you're this and you're that. And then they hear me speak or kind of check them on whatever they're doing. It's almost like a sin. And it might go back to the way they're raised in a sense of where like women probably are not able to speak for themselves and their families, or it probably goes back to just being triggered. Like when people are triggered, it it's like a fire, you know, they don't, they don't want to acknowledge what they're doing. They don't want anybody else to acknowledge it. They want to keep doing it the way they're doing it. And they probably have never really had to um, not accommodate anyone else, but work side by side with anyone else in a successful relationship. But with me, things don't have to be perfect. I'm not saying that, but I know what I like and what I don't like. And I operate out of fairness and you know, like the standard principles. And for some, they can't meet me on that level. <laughs> so it's got to just like, oh, this girl is too much and this and that. It's like, no, you wasn't saying that before. So like, why are you saying that now? You know, I can see that though. I, you know, I'm, I was imagining what happens, what I feel like when I get triggered and the times in my past where I have felt threatened either by a woman or a man or challenged or whatever, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's the initial like defensiveness that I feel and, you know, I want to puff on my chest and fight back. But once I get right. past that, I think it comes down to just a feeling of insignificance and mm-hmm. um, worthlessness, wondering if I matter. And so I, mm-hmm. I imagine that that those are some of the same things that get triggered in a lot of um, other men, other maybe especially other black men as well. And so I, I appreciate you naming that because it's, you know, if there are any brothers listening, it's important, you know, that we that we recognize those things within ourselves and that, so that we can stop reacting, right? And be intentional with how we act and how we talk and how we relate uh, to other people, especially mm-hmm. in our, our um, deeper relationships. I think when we come to terms that every person we meet is an indefinite reflection of ourselves as well as like even in your relationships, of course, for sure. But realizing in those relationships, you're here to teach one another a lesson. When you really get that in your head, you operate differently and you won't necessarily take any of it personally. Like, yeah, allow yourself to feel, you know, allow yourself to, do whatever you want to do, but make sure that your reaction isn't, you know, harming anyone in a sense where it's just straight up negative. Just kind of allow yourself to feel it, accept it. Don't take it personally and just take it as a lesson. One of the things that Akila taught me was, you know, after anything, any circumstance, ask yourself, what is the lesson? And when I grasp that mindset of like, okay, what was the lesson? It's easier for me to point out now because I'm a natural psychologist at heart anyway. So like when things happen, I react how I react or feel how I feel. And then I'm like, I wonder, you know, why that happened? Or immediately I'm like, oh, this happened because of that. I get it. So I don't even allow myself to just take it there, get so personal about it and X, Y, Z. Like somebody can literally talk about me and I'm still going to support them. 
because in my head, I'm like, that doesn't have anything to do with me. Like how you feel about me is your business. Like that, it, yeah, it pertains to me, but it doesn't have anything to do with me, you know? Every relationship we're in, there's something that can be learned. And, you know, sometimes it's not so much that we're consciously going to be teaching the people we're in relationship with lessons, but that they can learn from whatever transpires in our relationship. And when you adopt that mindset, you don't become so attached, you know, you love, but without attachment, because when you're attached, it creates other issues such as like codependency and just a whole heap of other things. And then you kind of also have to adapt the mindset of um, pain is mental. Um, it's not something that, yeah, there is physical pain, like you, you stub your toe or something, but when it comes from an attachment state of mind, it's only mental. So you have to kind of, with me, what I've had to do is kind of learn how to love wholeheartedly, but without attachment. And that was the deal breaker for me. And I kind of struggled with it because I always tell people, like, I don't know how to have love. But there's no in-between with me. Either I do, like, like really do. And you will know if I really, really love you like that. And then versus, like, me just not loving you, but just liking you, you know. So I kind of just had to consider all of those things. And with that mindset, it helps me go throughout my relationships. Um, much smoothly without all the extra pain and things like that. Thank you for, for sharing that and being vulnerable with that information. I, I, I appreciate that. And I respect that. Um, for sure. And I, you know, I think for people like myself um, that have gone through an experience, any sort of significant trauma, it, it's, you know, the idea of loving deeply and wholly without attachment feels like, you know, you're asking me to write my dissertation in Mandarin Chinese. Like, what are you talking about? How is that even possible? You know? how, how is it possible? <laughs> right. Because, um, I, I, again, I'll just speak from my experience, um, especially early on. I do it less now that I'm conscious that it happens. But um, for a long time, you know, I would look for love and affection and not even always just romantic, like literally any sort of love and affection as a substitute for the acceptance I didn't get when I was younger or a substitute for my own sense of self-worth um, as substitutes for all these uh, unreconciled emotions and wounds from my, my background. And it's only once I see those and name those for what they are that I can, that I can begin to find the healing elsewhere and, and then start to love, like you said, without attachment, to love deeply while also recognizing that when it's time for this to end or transition, I can let it do so. Not that it won't hurt, not that it won't be painful, but right. you know, I'll open my, my hands and let it move regardless, you know, and I won't, I won't resist it as much. Um, right. But I definitely think that if, if you have any sort of trauma uh, background, loving without attachment can be really, really difficult. And maybe it's difficult for everybody anyway, but you know, I can only speak from someone with a trauma background. And that that's exactly how I feel. Um, at this point, all we have to do is just shift our consciousness, you know, and you do that in a, in a variety of different ways, mostly reading. Um, I think a lot of things are a fad now. Um, I was just talking to myself and yes, don't tell nobody. I talk to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just talking to myself today about how, like, 
Um, I awakened in 2016. And since then, I have learned or noticed how there has been a shift with crystals and sage. And now everyone's a bruja or a witch. And everyone does this and that on everyone else's terms, almost. And looking at it, you know, it's almost, mis it's very much so misleading. I can't even say it's almost, but um, it's definitely misleading. But I also feel as though, like, like I said, we should just take the time out to actually read and, you know, study what interests us. Don't try to do it um, or follow anyone in a sense. Like, oh, everyone's studying about chakras or melanin, so I'm going to do that everything is not meant to be done on anyone else's terms. We all have our own journey. So with that being said, like I said, we all should shift our consciousness and it should all be done by reading and studying and things like that, because I spend lots of time doing that. Um, I do balance between like rest and like work on the computer, YouTube and my actual corporate job. But um, for the most part, I'm definitely studying because in order to teach, you have to be a student as well. A sermon we will not get into right now. <laughs> uh, so I like to do two things um, when I wrap up each of these podcasts. And the first is um, I want to get, I like to give my guests a chance to ask me a question if they have one. You definitely don't have to, but some of my guests have them to kind of uh, bubble up as the interview goes. So uh, is there a question that you would like to ask me that I can respond to? Uh, yeah, super simple. How are you healing um, right now? Because obviously, I don't feel like you created this podcast off the strength of just doing it. It actually came from somewhere. Um, I like to think that a lot of us are intentional. And the name within itself is just simple. I mean, these are transparent truths, <laughs> harsh truths, I'm sure. So and I don't think a lot of people I feel like listening to one of your other podcasts, you were like a strong friend. Um, and so I'm kind of just curious because people don't ask the strong friend, like, how are you healing? How are you feeling today? <laughs> <laughs> You're very perceptive. Um, though I have to push back a little bit. How are you healing is not a simple question, ma'am. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Is it going well? I mean, how is it going along? Are you progressing in any way? Like, what have been your strengths, your weaknesses? <laughs> what lessons have you learned? It's pretty broad. It, it is. But answer how you feel most comfortable. So um, I think I'm at the phase of my healing where I am coming apart so I can come back together. Mm. Um, you know, I, I've been intentionally on this healing journey for about 10 years now since uh, I was 21 or so so when I really started with counseling and understanding my trauma and each year I've I've understood a little bit more and a little bit more and and now I'm at the phase where the last 12 months I have really it's like situations have um, manifested themselves into my life or I've manifested things that I didn't know I was calling to the universe for that have come and they have forced me to take a really hard look at um, what is happening in me, at, at what I want, what I don't want, what, I, what parts of myself I'm just completely shut off from, um, my shadow self, just a whole host of stuff. And as a result, different parts of my life, whether they be ideas, 
um, relationships, situations, career choices, they're coming apart and I'm coming apart so that I can um, come back together the way that I need to be, the way that I want to be. Um, so I think that's kind of mm-hmm. where my healing journey is at. And, and you're right, this podcast was created out of the healing process. Everything I put out publicly, honestly, is out of my own healing process. I, I started before this podcast, I had a blog and that blog um, is still up. It's also called Invisible Truths. And it was uh, me processing um, what I'm learning about my trauma and then putting it back out into the world. That way others can learn the lessons I'm learning, hopefully a little bit quicker. And um, I figured if I can speak and write about some of my pain, some of my struggles, some of my discomfort, then it, it can make that a little more real for others that are going through it. You know, Because a lot of times we suffer in silence or in public spaces, we don't talk about the uncomfortable things, the complicated things, the, the things that don't make sense, but feel hella real. And so right. I, I want to be able to create space and to model that, but to create space for others to do so and for others to to find the wisdom uh, in their own healing journeys. And so uh, you're right. The podcast was created, especially um, with intentionality. So there's, there's probably a lot more I could say to that, but I think that's broad strokes, the best way I can, I can name where my healing journey is at and, and how I'm healing. Mm, okay. Very well. It sounds like it's coming along. Um, as you said, even with the name given for the podcast itself. So I think that's really dope. And, Thank you again for reaching out because these are, I think all of these things are things that, you know, people should take into account, but also it's not just here for ourselves. We don't learn the lessons we learn for ourselves. We, we do it unconsciously or consciously for others as well, because even with words, words heal. Um, I think now a lot of people think, oh, in order to be this so-called healer, You have to lay hands on people. You have to do yoga. You have to meditate, do crystals, X, Y, Z. But you can literally heal with just talking to people because a lot of people don't talk. They become mute when they're suffering um, and they don't open up. So even just talking to someone, that's the healing process within itself. (laughs) Yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for that, that question. Um, the second thing I like to do to end these podcasts is I like to leave my listeners with a simple practice uh, or a word or something that they can do, you know, each day for the next several days after they listen to this that will help bring them back to the themes that we've discussed in the interview. So mm-hmm. as you think about what we've discussed, you know, whether it be karma, whether it be um, becoming vessels for universal truths to share with others, um, or whether it be just recognizing the sacredness uh, within ourselves uh, or in how that manifests in relationships or the importance of having a, a tribe around you, whatever themes you want to touch on. Is there a short practice or mantra or something that you would offer our listeners to help them revisit these themes uh, and really just kind of hold the truths that were disseminated as the week goes on? Mm. Uh, though we didn't talk much about it, um, I want to touch on breathing because that's that's something a lot of us don't do. We don't breathe. Um, I just I just told my cousin yesterday that a lot of people don't know because it is like, you know, you just don't want people to freak out. But I have these episodes where I pass out randomly, 
and um, they didn't know if it was like seizures or like if it's epilepsy or whatever the case is but it just looking up and doing my research you know or looking up certain things and doing research it kind of just goes back to oxygen not going to my brain so in that when something is suffocating it it's almost lifeless so or when something is not getting breath it's suffocating and it's almost lifeless so with that um i used to have these episodes all the time and then when i met akila she's so big on breathing <laughs> like i never had anyone to tell me to just breathe until i met her and so now uh i just breathe and it brings me back to the present heavily um it may it allows me to focus on the things that i need to get done but effectively it doesn't you know how like you just have like a long day and you have a headache it's mostly because your crown chakra is overreactive most of the time so it's like okay all of this is going on in my mental i need to breathe <laughs> so that's what i want to give people like breathe okay if you don't do anything else yeah uh, wise words words that i'm uh, myself that's a, one of the lessons i'm learning i'm trying to be more intentional about my breath so Thank you for that. And I hope the audience hears that and remembers, even now, as they're listening, just to pause and to take in a few deep, slow, intentional breaths and just breathe. Right. Well, Satin, if people want to connect with you, if they want to um, check out your Sacred Melanin site, I, I know you offer a wide variety of services, some clothing, some oils, uh, services like uh, a chakra rebalancing. Um, so if they want to just learn more about you and what you're about, where can they go to find that information? Yes, you guys can go to Sacred Melanin on Instagram. We also have a Facebook account, but I'm not actively on there. I'm actively on the Instagram account, which is linked. So anything that I post on Instagram will be, you know, sent over to the Facebook account. I also have a website, which is satinmarche.com. And that is where you can find a slew of information. I feel like my website is like a library because um, it has a lot of stuff on there. Um, you can also find, as Ben said, merch. I have sacred self affirmation and mantra cards. I have a few herbs um, that are dedicated to the topics that I speak on, such as chakras and melanin, the endocrine system, nervous system, things like that. Um, I'm also a doTERRA wellness advocate. So if you're into essential oils, you can find those on there as well. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Satin, for joining me today and for agreeing to do this interview with a complete stranger. I, I've appreciated the wisdom <laughs> uh, that you've dropped, and I'm sure my listeners will appreciate it as well. For sure. Thank you so much, Ben. Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to episode two of season two of the Invisible Truths podcast. To learn more about Satin or her business, Sacred Melanin, click on the links in the episode description. If you'd like to purchase something from Sacred Melanin's website, please use the discount code GRATITUDE15. Once again, that is GRATITUDE15. This discount code, when applied at checkout, will save you a percentage off your purchase. I hope you are intentionally celebrating and educating yourself during this Black History Month. One of the easiest ways to honor Black voices and Black folks is by supporting Black businesses like Sacred Melanin. So I hope you'll at least consider checking out the website and supporting my guest this week. If you have not already done so, please take a moment and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I know I harp on this every week, but it really is the fastest way for new listeners to find this podcast and support this work. 
Once again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've been blessed by it. And until next week, I'm Ben Tapper.